Right now in Australia, the state of Victoria is having their elections until 26 November. Victorians have been through some of the longest lockdowns, restrictions and mandates in the world, all because medical authorities would not allow proven natural prevention and treatment options to be used against COVID. Don't allow this to happen again. For freedom, prosperity and health, vote one for Dr. Isaac Golden and the Health Australia Party team. To find out more, listen to episode 126 of this podcast or visit www.healthaustraliaparty.com.au. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we are hanging out with homeopath Rita Kara Robinson. Welcome, Rita. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting to be chatting with you. Um, you've got some very exciting topics that I know you specialize in, and I can't wait to start delving into that. But before we do, can you tell our listeners how you first discovered homeopathy? Oh, this was such a long time ago now. So with my eldest, it was my eldest child, and he had uh, newborn eczema, and I'd gone to the doctors, um, I'd gone to skin specialists, and nobody could help me. I was trying, I tried all the, what the doctors prescribed, and then I was looking at everything, you name it, every cream to chamomile tea bags on the back of his legs. Um, and then there was a really big bookshop here, and, and it had, a, you know, like an alternative medicine. A, a section and there was a book on homeopathy and I got really lucky um because I there was a remedy there and I thought I'm gonna try this and I'd never taken homeopathy before and um and it worked it sorted his eczema out in three days wow and I, that's so you self-prescribed that Yes, but I, d I just want to make it clear that I got lucky. <laughs> I, got I was going to really say that's lucky, lucky there, right? So I'm always telling people, don't self-prescribe for chronic um, <laughs> because you're just going to be wasting time. I got mm -hmm. really lucky, really mm -hmm. lucky there. Um, but then look, what, look what's happened to that moment. Uh, mm -hmm. That The ripples have just totally... The, the pond, the ripples in the pond have moved out so far, you know, even as far as Australia and New Zealand, you know, to the other side of the world, that's, I now see clients from there. So that moment was um, hugely significant for many people, not just me. And so how did you then decide to become a homeopath yourself? All right. So I was then, I started then seeing a homeopath and I was, I used to teach, I taught primary school about 20 years and um, I really wasn't enjoying it for many, the same reasons many teachers are leaving the profession um, and I thought well what else am I going to do uh, and I was on maternity leave with my second and I went to see a homeopath and I kept asking him loads of questions and I think the, <laughs> I think one of the questions I asked which homeopaths will find quite funny is do you always prescribe calc carb to all babies? It's like, is that just standard procedure? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, listen, you, you ask a lot of questions. I think you should have a look at the course that's starting in September. I think this would be really good for you. I said, well, I am looking for something else to do. He's, I said, but I can't commit to four years. He says, it's at the weekend. Everything fitted in. 
everything fitted in. It wasn't too far. My husband could drive my baby to breastfeed at lunch times. Everything fit, and so that's how that came about. You've just suddenly made me have a flashback. I forgot my husband had to do that as well on our weekend because we also did weekend courses for the four years. And um, yeah, my husband had to drive him in for breastfeeds. I completely forgot about that until you've mentioned that now. But yeah, we somehow make it work, don't we? Yes, I think if it's meant to be, Absolutely. It, it'll, it'll fit, won't it? Absolutely. Uh, alignment and all that. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell me about the types of clients that you see in your clinic. I know you have some areas that you specialize in. Can you share that with our listeners? Okay, so I think it started off, okay, this all started off because I had to have a niche and I had to make it work. So I think there's two types of homeopaths, really. There's those that really want to do something, but they don't have to have it as a job. And then there's those homeopaths that start and they have to pay the mortgage and they have to feed their kids on this job. And I was... I was doing it local and it's not really, what can I say, this town isn't really into um, alternative medicine, I say that. So I thought, God, this is going to take me ages to, um, <laughs> it's going to take me ages to build up my business. And then I was looking at niching and I met another homeopath. Um, he, he, niche, he niched in autism. I thought, right, well, there's got to be something out there that people need, which doctors can't fix very mm. easily, and there's lots of clients. And one thing led to another, and I ended up treating Gardasil injured patients, but this was a long time ago. This is before Facebook is what it is now. People were really using Facebook. If you had a problem, you would find your group really easily because there would only be maybe two or three groups with that name of the problem. So it was a really great place. So luckily I was at the right place at the right time. And, I, and being vaccine injured myself um, as a baby and from the BCG vaccine, that really resonate, resonated with me um, when my children is vaccine injured. And I just had so much passion and I learned about Gardasil injury. So then I thought, right, uh, let's go with this. And so um, I ended up specialising in Gardasil injury. And then from that, it went to autism, um, because many autistic, autistic ch- children are vaccine injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, and then I just see the mothers then, and I see the mm-hmm. siblings. So it then branches out, doesn't it? It does. Um, so that's when my journey started. But I don't actually specialise in Gardasil anymore. I love, I love dealing with autistic mm-hmm. uh, children and, and mothers. That's my, that's my passion. What do you enjoy about it? And can you share some uh, cases with us? Yeah, what do I enjoy? The, the thing I enjoy is, um, oh, there's a real buzz from doing your follow-up and hearing that children's brains are starting to make a connection. So I think what we're doing as homeopaths, as a group, is we're, we're making the unbelievable happen. Because if you think that a child has just stopped talking and stopped understanding, that's intense brain damage, which modern medicine has got nothing for. Um, so we're doing the, uh, the unthinkable. So then you, the, the simplicity of giving a sugar pill <laughs> mm-hmm. and then hearing that 
it's it's the emotional stuff really hearing the mother say oh he called me mother for the first time or uh, i i'm now watching my child play with his brother or sister i've never they've never engaged before mm. that's intense emotion and i just get a massive buzz out of those follow-ups um I think it's a bit like, you know, why, why people perform on stage for the applause, that buzz. <laughs> I get that yeah. from my mum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the text and their excitement, I feel their excitement. I really understand that it's a really big deal to them. The small things are the big things. Um, so, so, that's, so, yeah. so that's that. And it's amazing when the teachers comment as well. And quite often the parents might not necessarily tell the teacher that they're sending the child to a homeopath, but suddenly, you know, they come in for the follow-ups. And I often say, you know, has has the teacher made any comments? And then they will say, oh, yes, the teacher sent me an email and said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You know, yes. what's different? He's just, you know, they're communicating so well. They're engaging. You know, the educational assistant that used to have to be with them all throughout the school day is now twiddling her thumbs and has nothing to do. So. Yes. that's when you really know when it's not just the family when it's outsiders that start to comment I'm sure you see a lot of that as well oh yes totally and often you'll probably get the same oh you know there's been no change there's been no change after this eight weeks and I think we're all at home homeopath pass at the start you kind of panic you think oh my god that was such a good prescription <laughs> why didn't it not work and now and now I don't I don't even flinch when someone says that. I said, okay, don't worry. Let's go through everything. The fine tooth comb. And, oh, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I forgot they were doing that. Yeah. That has stopped. Um, that's good too. Right. But you've got to have perspective. And, I, and that only comes with time from doing it to have that not panic. When someone says <laughs> nothing's changed and their expectations are so enormous. Mm. Um, there has to be a lot of dialogue I feel that's mm. the kind of thing you don't always have to have with your other patients You're working with autistic um, children parents have to have realistic expectations that you're not really going to bring back speech in one in one session and mm. I tell them if I could do that I'd be charging you ten thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> And do you know what? They would probably be willing to pay 10 times that to have their child exactly. speak because that satisfaction you have when the mum says, you know, he said, mum, he said, I love you. You know, there's, it's really priceless. It is. It's those moments that are priceless. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, expectation is very important, I think, when you're working mm -hmm. with this. And what you're saying about expectation is something that um, I feel is, is, is quite a funny one. People will go to it, the same doctor over and over and over again without any real results and they won't complain about it but they'll come to a, a homeopath or any natural health practitioner for that matter and expect an instant cure so I do think that the expectation is not really um, weighted properly because they will expect us to cure it straight away but they will go back to the same doctor even with a wrong diagnosis or you know pharmaceutical medication which is giving them side effects and somehow they will keep going back but often I feel we only get one chance <laughs> yeah I, I, I totally agree I have a bit of empathy with them because then I remember back to when I went to my homeopath first time for, for a long time complaint and I expected there to be a massive shift in one session, mm -hmm. especially when you're not in the UK, we have the NHS where it's free. So I was paying for this and we don't pay for healthcare. So for me to pay quite a bit of money for a session, I was expecting that much. I don't mm -hmm. know. 
in ratio of what I spent back in in um, healing results. Mm-hmm. And when that didn't happen, I there was a little um, suspicious. Oh, are you just dragging this out? <laughs> so I do think people will think that way, but unless we have to, as homeopaths, realize that those patients are not in the same place as we are and as homeopaths when we've been doing this for so long it's easy isn't it to forget what it's like not to have this knowledge to only have seen the doctor uh, have such a narrow uh, view Mm -hmm. of health and expectations um, that I got used to trying to keep and having to repeat and having mm-hmm. to, so you think you've told them all right, you're on board, you've got a realistic expectation, and still they'll come back with the wrong expectation. So sometimes you also have to realize mm-hmm. you have to keep repeating this till the penny drops. And Absolutely. then they're on board for life, then, aren't they? They are. And it's such a different mindset anyway, the pharmaceutical model to holistic wellness, because we look at the whole, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, what was your pregnancy like? What was your preconception like? Were there any shocks or traumas during your pregnancy? What was the birth like? You know, the types of questions that we ask is just so holistic, whereas, um, you know, so the, and the whole way that we approach health and well-being is completely opposite. So if you're coming from a medical model, which most of us did, I certainly was raised with pharmaceutical medicine and came upon homeopathy by chance as many of us did and it's a real mind shift you really have to change your paradigm and your way of looking at life yes well you said that about you know asking about medical history and um pregnancy and labor when i see um that my autistic clients sometimes that is the first time the mother has been asked about the birth often the birth has been extremely traumatic lots of medicines in pregnancy and during labor and after um and it's the first time they've been asked with such an importance put on that moment and it's so therapeutic and i think in that moment there's an intense connection between the practitioner and the patient because you're going into such a sacred place for that mother and i think at that po- at that point Mothers really realize what's going on. I think so much happens in that moment. They also, I think so many light bulbs go on when they think, she's asking me about this. This is really important. No one's asked me about this. Gosh, I really do think this has had an impact in my child. If the doctors haven't asked me, this has got to be the way to go. So much happens intensely in those minutes of discussion Mm. on many levels. Um, yeah, isn't that lucky? We get to do that. It's so amazing. Don't. And also, don't you feel that intuitively as mothers, we uh, have a special instinct? But unfortunately, in today's society, it often gets suppressed and we get told that what we feel about what our baby is doing or their development or our pregnancy is not real or it's imagined. And so a lot of that... Um, instincts that we have naturally as mothers end up getting suppressed and so then when you come to a homeopath and they're asking you these questions which resonate with your own intuition often these mothers feel a huge relief because they're finally like yes I knew that that car accident I had in my pregnancy which caused such a shock could possibly be why my child now has autism or that medical intervention during the birth is what's possibly causing this but the doctors laughed laughed it off or medical professionals laughed it off and now here you are talking to me about it and saying that this all forms part of the picture and it's such a huge relief for a lot of them because we believe them. 
Yeah, that's so true. I have a question on my questionnaire, uh, especially for the um, children with autism. And I say, <clears throat> when did it? When did you? When did this start? Mm. Um, and they'll say when they got the diagnosis, or some of the doctor said. So that will often be uh, twelve months, one and a half, or about three years old when they start school. Okay. Then mm. I say, when do you think? When do you? When did you see problems? And they'll say, two months, four months, and that changes your prescription completely, right? Because then you're looking. Wait a minute. It's either the first vaccines, it's formula milk, it's um, labour meds, it's pregnancy. Your whole shift goes from three years old, just by that the mother's instinct saying, "Ah, oh, it was early on," is mm. crucial, isn't it? It really is. I'm wondering, Rita, are you able to share some cases for us from your clinic? Uh, let's face it, everyone loves a good story. Have you got some stories you can share with us? I was thinking, right, what was the first story that comes to mind? I think that one of the most impactful for, for me was uh, one of my early, one, early cases. There was a girl who came to me. I don't actually see anyone in my clinic anymore. Um, it's just one long desk now that just gets piled of more stuff on. Plus, having, you know, um, specialising in autism, it's very difficult to see a child in a room mm. full of little bits. They start to pick everything up, which, of course, they will. So that wasn't working, so now I just do video call. But mm. back then, somebody drove. They didn't even live here. They, they, were around, they were in this region, I think, for a reason, and they drove to my house, and she was on crutches. And she ended up in a wheelchair. And I, I remember saying to her, I'm going to get you out that wheelchair. We're going to do this. Just hold on. and we're, we're going to do this. And I was so determined. I thought, I'm going to get this girl out of this wheelchair. And it took a few prescriptions. But also I was open. I was uh, reading a, do you know a Japanese homeopath called, what's her name? Uh, uh, Taraka Yui. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's she's basically Mrs. Home Homeopathy in Japan. <laughs> she has what she's done for Japan is amazing, and she's wow. just a genius. And um, I read one of her papers on HPathy website, and she was treating Gardasil girls, and she used LMs. And I'd not really used LMs. And so I'd, I thought I'm going to dabble a little bit. Halfway through this girl's course, I thought I'm going to try these LMs. It's amazing. So I learned about LMs and I learned um, her technique and I put hers and mine together. And I don't know how long it took, but she got out of the wheelchair and she sent me a video of her walking to the beach. Wow. And I think she's pretty much living a normal life now, gone back to school and all that. Amazing. So that's pretty cool, right? That's really cool. I'm just, um, because this podcast is made for the general public, whenever we use terms that I think people might not be familiar with, I like to kind of pause a little bit and just explain so that our listeners can learn with us. And so Rita was just talking about LMs. Now, when you go to the health shop, you'll often see remedies that say, for example, Arnica, and it might say 6C or 30C, or you might see the tissue salts, and they're often in a 6X. 
So X is the Roman numeral for 10. So often it's one drop mother tincture to nine drops uh, water and alcohol diluted and succussed. And then when there's a C, it stands for centesimal, which is 100. So there's one drop mother tincture to 99 drops water and alcohol diluted and succussed. And the alums that Rita's talking about is a very special uh, range of uh, potencies, which Hahnemann, the founder of homeopathy, talked about shortly before he passed away and this was in his quest to try and make homeopathy as gentle as possible and these remedies have got one drop mother tincture to 49,999 drops of water and alcohol and then diluted and succussed so they're very gentle and it's interesting that you use those I used to use those in my clinic I haven't so much these days but you find that they work really well for you I do uh, and I'm mm-hmm. so glad you explained that because I thought please don't ask me to <laughs> <laughs> or drop. use the some people use liquid drops and like, i don't know how to just succuss and things like yeah. that i'm just like just straight pills just use this pill take it and be done with it i know um, that whole succussing thing in between that was always uh, you know you have to make it easy for the client because we have such busy lives yeah. and um, I try to keep it as simple as possible and I sometimes hear homeopaths say oh don't eat for half an hour before and after a remedy I'm like nobody's going to do it if you tell them to do that so I just get my clients to if they have eaten have water to clean your mouth then yeah. have your pillow and then wait 10 minutes or so before you eat anything else because otherwise people are not going to do it you have to make the make it easy for them to get them to be compliant yeah. I totally agree I totally mm-hmm. agree oh, what's the question now Oh, so she sent you a video and then she was walking towards the beach and that's amazing and if you have any other stories that you'd like to share I just oh, right, I, yeah. I could just sit here and listen all day <laughs> well, the, other, the other ones that came to mind were really simple ones actually so the other one that came to mind was um the simplicity of uh I was a newborn it was a few weeks ago uh, there's a, cli- a client I have and the mother has just had a baby and the baby had intense colic and I don't know if you, your child had that, mine did and I'm sure many listeners can resonate mm. uh, so stressful having a newborn with colic and not sleep, you're not sleeping anyway and the baby can't talk it's just a very intense stressful situation so I asked her, I said have you got a kit? Yes, right um, what happened? So she told me about the labour, and I suspected it was the labour meds. And she didn't have a, a specific labour med pill in her kit. And I said, right, Nux to clear the liver. Nux clears meds. Right, give it Nux and get back to me. <laughs> and she said, within one pill, the baby was just another baby. And uh, I love those cases because A, you can't say it's placebo because it's a baby, right? And just the um, oh, the intensity of the stress that just disappears in mm-hmm. that one moment we're putting that pill on in the baby or dissolving it in water, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It just makes you think. It's those little. It's the simplicity, isn't it? That makes you think. God, how does this work? It's so amazing. <laughs> so amazing. And um, any other cases that you'd like to share? Do you know, the, all the other cases, i I got to say, they're all long-term. Mm. So when mm. people want a good case, I tend to forget about them because um, I think it gives, it gives uh, patients my expectations. 
Yes. Let's go back to let's go back to let's go back to college. Mm-hmm. My college taught me remedies with cases, mm-hmm. and it would be, and this patient uh, had all these symptoms. It was completely tarantula. They were even wearing a spider on their t-shirt or something like that, right? <laughs> and it was so um, so obviously tarantula. Wow, that's so cool. And then you don't see those cases. They're not obviously tarantula. At the start, you're spending hours going through your books thinking, mm. why do I get such complex cases? Is it me? Am I a bad homeopath? Where are these obvious belladonna people with the red face? You know, where are these... <laughs> Where is the Nux Vomica man coming with his Porsche in my drive? Where are these people that I was taught? Mm. So those cases also, I, I try not to rely on them or have them stored in my memory because then I think that's not realistic. Mm. Cases aren't those uh, like Hollywood fireworks cases. Um, I have them, mm-hmm. but I forget them because... Mm-hmm. I don't think they're realistic. And then I try, I, when I publish my stories on my Facebook page, which I do as often as I can, I always try to say, well, this was this fourth prescription. Mm. Or this, this person's also doing this. Mm. I think by having realistic expectations, we will attract the right people and we won't then disappoint others who will then go, well, I tried homeopathy, it was a load of rubbish, and I'm not going back to it. We've lost those people, haven't we? Um, so that's why those cases don't stay in my head. Does that make sense? Mm. It does. And so often the cases that we see, there's been so much suppression. You know, drugs in pregnancy, C-section birth, vaccinations at the moment of birth in Australia, they get hep B and vitamin K. And then there's reflux medications and the mum has a round of prophylactic antibiotics and the baby has some too for good measure. So often by the time we see these cases, it is there's so much suppression. So the remedies really have to get in there under it all to try to lift the vital force to start showing some progress. But in saying that, even though somebody's not going to get cured in the, if it's a very chronic case in their first few sessions, you will always see an improvement. I've never had a case... Ever, that hasn't had something tiny and that's why you were saying before is the client will say oh nothing's happened but then you'll go over the case notes okay so they used to um have terrible night terrors what's it like now oh that's right no they haven't had a night terror recently and um oh that, well they used to bite their nails how's that going oh no they're not doing that anymore so there's always going to be um shifts uh, positive shifts of some sort with homeopathy i believe but yeah it's, completely. it's like kind of building blocks hey and we have to depends where the person starts if you start with a child that's got a very clear slate healthy constitution great diet good family circumstances there's nothing what we call in homeopathy a maintaining cause so not something that their energy has to fight back against every time then you're going to get a those miraculous cures straight away but often that's not the case we have kids addicted to ipads we have them addicted to junk food we have uh, households that are volatile you know medication after medication so the remedies have to work harder than they ever have before (laughs) to really get in there and do the trick yes i really believe that they have to work harder than ever before um and that goes back to I think teaching our expectations mm-hmm. when people were teaching they still when they started their 
um, practices in the 70s and 80s, they're teaching us then, oh, yeah, this one remedy is going to do it all. They didn't have as many meds as we do now. And I think so expectations and the way we prescribe has to really change mm-hmm. for 2021 to, to meet to meet our clients because their whole their whole medical state and history is total chaos, <laughs> right? And it's heavy. So one pill isn't going to do it. And I think those stories, again, going back to what are your stories, the stories of one pill fixing everything, I think is now detrimental to a homeopathy moving forward, mm. all the new people that are going to come on board. We have to change mm. the way that we describe and the expectations going back to what we said earlier. Absolutely. Now, you're in the UK, and I think the experience of homeopathy is a little bit different over there than here in Australia, where it seems that nobody really knows what it is. And uh, I don't know if you have watched Just One Drop, but uh, obviously we had that um, NHMRC report that, you know, was just so detrimental to homeopathy over here. So um, things are a little bit different over there. I've heard your... uh, King and, uh, you know, the Queen uses homeopathy yeah. as well for hundreds of years. And uh, I know Prince Charles is an organic farm and he likes to use homeopathy with his sheep. <laughs> so what's the, what's the scene like over there? Yeah, it's interesting, that is. I'm very concerned that they are our um, ambassadors. And I think because they are our vocal and they are our, our ambassadors, they're helping keep certain things behind, uh, what can I say, keep us afloat Mm. and when that goes I'm not sure what's going to happen there is great difficulties here too Um, until until COVID we were all having a lot of trolling on our website complaining uh, threats about you mustn't write this on your website you must do this it's not law but the people are fearful so um, Mm. that was having an impact Um, the her, the the pharmacies are not allowed to advertise kits on their website. Um, there are behind the scenes things going on that are very making it very difficult um, to purchase these things. Um, so all in all, it's not easy and it's not free for all. There are always things in the newspapers about homeopathy and. Um, you know, negativity. I was almost trapped by a. Um, oh, last year I was almost trapped by a uh, journalist. A journalist for a main paper, um, but we figured out what that was and stopped that in its tracks. It does shake mm-hmm. you up a bit. You always feel like you're on the. You know, you're always looking over your shoulder. It's not really relaxing. There's mm-hmm. always something. Um, but it's growing. You can't, you can't suppress it. It's mm-hmm. nature, right? I always think of, you know, when you put weed killer uh, every year or three times a year, you put. You gotta keep putting weed killer because nature will keep coming through the cracks no matter what you do. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that one before, but that's an analogy I'm definitely going to be using. 
<laughs> Beautiful. And homeopathy has been suppressed so many times over the past 200 years and every time it has come back. And um, we've talked about that in the previous podcasts as well. But, you know, there used to be homeopathic hospitals all over the world and then the American Medical Association uh, squashed a lot of that happening. But homeopathy is still here. It's still alive. It's half a billion people use it worldwide, um, you know. So, yeah, it's. Um, I, I believe it's just going to be getting stronger and stronger because unfortunately you know viruses and bacteria are always going to mutate they're always going to find a ways around vaccines and antibiotics and things like that and homeopathy doesn't have that problem you know it, it it's not something that can become bugs can't become resistant to homeopathy because that's just not how it works so i really feel it's a modern medicine it's a medicine for our time it's actually a med- it's a medicine for now but also for the future it's um sustainable it's safe um there's just so many good things about it. It's affordable. You know, I could go on and on, yeah. <laughs> but I'm preaching to the converted. Yeah. <laughs> um, what type of vaccine reactions do you see in your clinic, Rita? What sort of it's things do the mums tell you? Okay, so if we take the Gardasil, because that was easier, that specific one had, I saw 10 main reactions um, from, uh, well, a chronic fatigue seizures, um, uh, blood pressure problems, heart palpitations, uh, period issues. So there was, a, there was a, a main 10. And then you really clearly see it's what is that person's weakness. So if they've always had headaches, those headaches then would become chronic or uh, get more intense. Um, so you've got two things going on. What is specific to that vaccine and then what is generally you know what is happening um for that individual so that impacts people finding uh healing because if they think oh my my symptoms aren't in that top 10 it can't be that you know then it comes back to education doesn't it it's Mm -hmm. what 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 that reaction is personally for you so that, so that was that one. But generally speaking, in the children, a lot of it is the typical autism symptoms of not understanding, um, not being present, speech, losing their speech. That is the biggest thing. And I think that is what I try to talk about the most because it means the most to the mothers. Um, so, yeah, that really and I guess the thing with childhood vaccinations is that the kiddies are so little when they're getting it. So, you know, two, four and six months, one year, they can't tell you that yesterday I used to, I was feeling fine and today I don't feel great and this is hurting and that's hurting. But with the Gardasil vaccine, the girls are 12, 13 years old usually. So yeah, it's exactly. much easier for them to explain how they're feeling. And uh, then often those symptoms are just put down to, oh, you're just a teenager, you're just being hysterical. So, you know, it's a bit of a tricky one. I just want to make it super clear that we're not saying to anyone don't vaccinate we're not anti-vaccination we're just talking about the clients who come to our clinic who tell us that their child has been affected by vaccinations and we're just here to help so we would never ever say to not vaccinate we're just saying some people have reactions and we are here to help when they do 100 percent. i say it all the time someone asked me yesterday they think that their child is vaccine injured oh do you think i should do this do that i said i'm not here for that i said that you are a parent that is your decision. There is plenty of information out there. Do that. I'm just here to fix whatever problems mm-hmm. you have. I'm not here to advise. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't want anyone advising me parenting my child. 
that's my business. So absolutely, I also make that clear all the time. Mm. And Rita, do you have any advice for families who might be listening to this podcast that might have a child uh, who they believe has a vaccine injury? Have you got any advice for them, um, for the families with children with autism? You know, it can be so hard on the families on dealing with all these additional needs. So what sort of advice do you have and what else would you like to share with our listeners? Okay, so I would say go with your instinct, as we said before. Don't wait for a diagnosis. By waiting for an official diagnosis you are wasting precious time. I always say, if you can bring me a child three and under, we tend to be able to heal them completely in a few sessions. Mm. It's so easy. The groove isn't deep. Um, But if you wait, because you don't want to hear that they've got a, a label, well, that label is useless anyway. To me, as a practitioner, that label is useless. Because what you're doing is you're waiting for someone to say, yeah, there's something wrong with your child. We're not sure what it is. Autism is an umbrella term for hundreds of symptoms anyway. Autism is just saying there's something wrong with your child. So why are you waiting for that diagnosis? You know there's something wrong. Just get on with it. The only, the only reason that diagnosis is useful later on is to get one-to-one support at school. And even now, especially in the UK, you're not um, automatically eligible for, for help. The, help. the money for one-to-one support in school is, is, um, is a pot with X amount of money in it, and everyone has to fight for it. Mm. So it's not like that's a given. Mm. So that's the only reason that I think our label is useful, because that's the only way you'll get support. But apart exactly. from that, just get on with it. Just like going back to when the mother said, I knew there was something wrong like two months, four months. Then do something now. Do not wait. The doctors are telling them, oh, they might grow out of it. But they might not. Just deal with it. Just heal it straight away. You'll save mm-hmm. so much bother. The second thing I'd say is don't suppress fevers. If I, if, if I could see a world where all those fevers weren't suppressed, how many cases would we have saved, prevented from turning into full-blown autism? Mm. Now, there is a really good website in Australia. I think it's the Australian Children's Hospital, which I use all the time, and I send them that link. And it tells, it's the doctors in the hospital saying, don't suppress a fever, Um, just let it go. But obviously, if they're listless, and they're staring into space, and as a mother's instinct, you know there's something wrong. You take them to the doctor or A&E or ER, whatever you call it there, emergency services. But if they're playing Lego and they're they're all right, just sit with them, cuddle them, know it's going to be a long night. You will save them having to have antibiotics in a few Mm. days because it'll be over in 24 hours. So that's the other thing. And the third thing I'd say is, Don't rely on pills. Don't rely on homeopathy. It is diet-related. It's sleep-related. How can I get my child to recover quick? Diet is the first thing. Oh, my child is very fussy. Okay, we'll start homeopathy, but don't give up. Keep giving the child new foods. Because when they're working with a homeopath, they're going to start trying new foods. So they didn't like cucumber last year, then don't not give them that ever again. 
give it to them, give it into different ways, you know, different shapes, different cook it, cook this, puree that, you know. Mm-hmm. Diet is key. And I've never, ever had any of my patients fully recovered and off the label without the mother putting diet as their priority. Mm. They've all had excellent diets. And I make that clear because we're not magicians. We can do magic, but um, we can't create miracles where, you know, we're just on our own, just having mm-hmm. to get pills. Like you said before, they've got to be going to bed on time. Mm-hmm. A yes. child that's going to bed by themselves at half 12, one o'clock, we're not going to get anywhere. And you can't rely on pills for that. You have to be a parent and stop and bed mm-hmm. So their hormones are all becoming more balanced, and mm. so it's though it's it's all a, they're, they're my key things that I would say to parents. Another big one I always find is the iPads because I do have some clients come into the clinic, and most of mine are online. But you have the children with autism; they come in here with their iPad glued to them, and just in their face. And I under, understand that sometimes the parents need to have the iPad on in the consultation room be, so we can speak. But then they tell me that these kids go to sleep with it, and I'm like, well nothing is going to change unless you remove the technology because it is actually create it's actually causing chemical imbalances in their brain and if you don't even have to do the homeopathy you have to do nothing else just get rid of the technology or at least reduce it and that will make a massive difference in itself yes 100% that is something that I think you I and other homeopaths are going to have to deal with or more and more is the iPad I make it clear that is not a spectrum issue. <laughs> that is a neurotypical child of 2021 parenting issue. My yeah. child would be on the iPad mm-hmm. all night until I tell them to take it off. They, if they come off the iPad, they want to go then on the phone. <laughs> yeah, right? that's, that's what we have to deal with. Issue, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I am. I am very. Um, clear about all of that stuff I don't mm-hmm. beat around the bush because mm-hmm. they're coming to get their child healed and if that's what it takes we have to be direct mm-hmm. otherwise I feel they're wasting their money so don't blame me yeah. I'm telling you this is how it is and follow mm-hmm. it if you don't follow it then I know it's not me and it's not mm-hmm. my pills mm-hmm. so I think we all have to clear right you have one of the best logos ever. You can heal. I'm in your corner. I love it. I get goosebumps every time I read it. <laughs> um, I was quickly going to ask you something, Rita, because we're almost at the end, but you said something that's so important. And I'm just always have this mother in my mind who's new to homeopathy, who's listening to this podcast and might be thinking, oh, they said that thing. What did they mean? So I always try to clarify it as much as possible. You said about suppressing a fever. And I just thought maybe you can clarify that for people that might not know what you mean about suppressing a fever and why it's important not to. Okay. So this is how I explain it to my mom's first time. Um, Right. So when a child has a fever, the body is increasing the temperature in order to make the white cells, which are like the body's army, go and fight the infection. So when you bring the temperature down with a paracetamol, you're then telling the white cells to be quiet and go home and stop fighting. So the the fever is not the problem. The fever is just telling you that something's going on. Um, So... If you suppress it with um, medicine, the fever will come back the next day because the child's body is working. That is not broken. 
If you then um, go for the second day, the fever might even go even higher and the parent is then more scared. Uh, if you suppress it again, if you think it's now two days worth of bacteria or virus spreading, by the third and fourth day, it's game over. The body is now given up on the fever. There is too much virus or bacteria now. You will have to go and get antibiotics. Hmm. And when you get antibiotics, there's a really good, oh, what's his name? This guy who talks about the gut, can't think of his name now. Anyway, he's a scientist and uh, he says that the body never goes back to ground zero after your first dose of antibiotics in your life. So what will then happen is more likely that that virus or bacteria will rear its head again in a few months, in six months, a year or so, because you never healed the source. You never healed mm. the real problem. Mm. Um, people do worry about seizures, and that's why that they give. But then go to the Australian website, because it's got a really great thing about seizures mm-hmm. on there. Um, and alleviating mother's fears. Hmm. The other thing I'm saying is you're not doing nothing. You've got a homeopathy kit. So it's not like you're being a bad mother, in inverted commas, or um, neglecting your child. Hmm. You're using homeopathy. But then with that, you must have the expectation that you're not trying to bring the fever down. The fever needs to be there to fix and if you let it go it'll be over in 24 hours job done but the homeopathy will help the child feel more comfortable Mm. so maybe less teary less clingy um it will help and also help help the virus and bacteria Mm -hmm. and once you can explain that to a mother of the reason behind it and and take that fear out of a fever and make them understand it's actually a a normal physiological um, thing that's happening in the body. Your body is so intelligent and it's actually just trying to create homeostasis and balance itself and make them understand that it really helps. Um, Dr. Suzanne Humphreys said that uh, suppressing a fever with medication is like shooting your guard dog when it's trying to warn you of an intruder. And um, I thought that was quite good. And the other analogy I like to use with fevers is that it's maturing the, the child's immune system. And so I liken it to if your child is trying to learn to walk, every time they get up to try to learn to walk, you pick them up and say, oh, no, 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 you're going to fall over and get hurt. That child's never going to learn to walk. And I feel like a fever is the same thing. Every time you suppress that fever with uh, paracetamol or something like that, that immune system's not actually getting an opportunity to mature and to learn and to fight the bad guys and then create immunity and memory to this and mature properly. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, all of that. I couldn't have said that better myself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So just as something a little light to finish off on, Rita, what are your top three personal remedies for yourself and why? Oh, what are right. your three favorites? That's easy. Okay, so <laughs> I'd say Nux Pharmaca. Oh, who doesn't love a Nux? It's so brilliant, right? Um, oh, God, I love Nux. Especially if, oh, you know you've been out or you've had a party. You know, or it's Christmas and you think, oh, God, I just ate so much. And now I'm not going to sleep and I'm going to be up in the night. And you just take a Nux. Oh, it's instant relief. I love that. So versatile. Um, Nux is one. For me, gelsemium because i have not great adrenals uh and it has been amazing for me 
when I've needed it, it really pulls through. Yeah, gelsemia. You just know when you get that little jittery and you're exhausted and mm. it will get me through the day if I have to do something. So say I'm really tired and mm. got a day of clients. It's just my mm. little helper. It's my pal. It's really great. <laughs> and the other one, what's the other one? Oh, sulfur. Sulfur is just, again, it's so versatile. I love sulfur because it does so much for so many people. It does. It's great, isn't it? I, lo- Such I love it. It's a simple remedy and it's so, so profound. It just always blows yeah. my mind. It's just such a simple remedy. It's been around for over 200 years and it's just so many things that it can help with. <laughs> yes. And if you ever fix a child that's waking in the night <laughs> with sulfur, they love you. I mean, you know, because you've sorted the mum out, haven't you? <laughs> Absolutely. I just had one of those cases today and the mum's like, oh, he's sleeping so well. I feel like a new person. It just really helps the whole family, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So Rita, how can people get hold of you? Where can they engage with you? How can they book? Where do they find out more about you? Okay, so everything is under my name. So if you type Rita Cara Robinson with a K uh, into Google, my website will come up. So there's a contact page there. Or that is my email address, Rita Carl Robson at Gmail is my email. I have the same name on Facebook. Um, a lot of people find me on Facebook. You can send mm-hmm. me a message there. Um, yeah, that's how you get contact me. Don't call me, please. My phone is always off because I'm always in. <laughs> and I don't listen to voicemails. <laughs> don't call me. I've been following your Facebook page for a couple of years now, and I love reading your stories. You share really great information on your Facebook page. Thank you so much. I always wonder, how do people find me? Um, So that's really nice to know. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you've got a client straight after this, so I'm not going to hold you up any longer. I hope you have a wonderful day, and thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much.